0: Welcome to episode 244 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast this week, we're going to dig into one of my favorite topics and emerging technologies, which is synthetic biology. Ah, yes. And in particular, we're going to look at you know, what might be sort of the premier, uh, the most audacious synthetic biology uh, project. Uh, It's called the Human Genome Project, right? So I've
1: heard of the Human Genome Project.
0: Yeah, that uh, the Human Genome Project, of course, uh, wrapped up, uh I guess close to a decade ago now, and uh was sort of the uh first instantiation of of what really is becoming uh the genomics revolution right that was sort of the first the first step the uh the foot in the door so to speak yeah. sequencing the human genome, so that costs you know three billion dollars and and uh, I think uh it was. President Bill Clinton at the time, you know, was very uh – uh, you know, very proud of this achievement of, of uh, uh, sort of this public and, and private competition that resulted in the human genome being sequenced. Well,
1: Bill Clinton, that's generations ago, plural, at this point.
0: Yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it? And, you know, that, that, is, that is true. So in this, this next step, the Human Genome Project, right, essentially synthetic biologists are going to build... A human cell with all of the DNA that's required to produce more human cells. So if the human genome project was the the read project, this is the the right project. So it's W-R-I-T-E, not R-I-G-H-T. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, W-R-I-T-E, which, of course, uh, speaks to uh, the whole field of synthetic biology, which is really focused on uh, the creation of, uh, uh, you know, creation of uh, genomic code for a variety of purposes. You know, whether you're engineering uh, a particular kind of uh, grain, let's say, for um, uh, for agriculture, or you're interested in producing. Uh, environmentally friendly fuel—you might do that using uh, uh, certain bacteria. The uh, synthetic biology touches on, you know, a whole variety of industries and is really going to change the way that we that we do things as human beings, the way we manufacture things, the way we address problems. But. Uh, this this project to create you know an entire human genome uh, basically from scratch is is a really uh, you know not only is it is it a follow on to the human genome project but it, it's 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 sort of uh, it's a moonshot. I, I know we use the, the words moonshot way way too much to yeah. describe
1: scientific.
0: Uh, Ambition. There's a
1: lot of moonshots in the world these days. Yeah, uh,
0: and only only one moon, unfortunately. Um, so, so there there are so many positive outcomes that could uh, be the result of advancing synthetic biology. I mean, we we talked about a couple of those, but um, you know, additionally, you know, being able to eradicate certain diseases that have uh, sort of genetic underpinnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and the ability to uh, really exist in, you know, a, a, a more friendly coexistence with our environment uh, would be, you know, another potential outcome because we're able to do things, to manufacture things in a way that is uh, more aligned with the way the world works, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not artificially uh, sort of ripping, uh, you know, resources out of the ground, and then uh, uh, sort of releasing the toxic uh, after, uh, you, you know, post use, right? The, all, all the toxins back in, into the yeah. Uh, ecosystem. Yeah. So, so Dirk, uh, you know, what what are your initial thoughts on uh, uh, the human genome, uh, right? project, or, or sorry, the, the Human Genome Project Right, which is also called GP Right, which we'll, we'll, we'll
1: use that shorthand as well. Sure. I mean, you know, it falls into a similar category with things we've talked about on the show before, particularly things around CRISPR-Cas9 and, and gene editing, right? So um, it's technically true that gene authoring is different than gene editing, but the sort of end application is the same in both cases. It is, um, you know, taking the DNA of a living person, or uh, manufacturing, or adjusting the DNA of a um, yet to be born person. Um, now we're starting to get into question person life. Okay, let's. let's I'm not even going to go there right now. Um, you know, this is down down that same path, and uh, so it you know it comes with the similar ethical consequences and questions. Um, you know, namely that in much of the first world, certainly much of the West. Um, you know, there is a concern about the exercise of these technologies and advances in the context of humans and people, um, while they're used pretty aggressively in other animals, the use of them in humans and then extrapolating that into uh, how, you know, how will we function as a society of people that are created by or altered by these sort of technologies. It's, you know, they're, they're sticky questions.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, you know, there's certainly an array of challenges that will come along with the technologies that, you know, are being, you know, introduced, both, you know, as part of this uh, GP Wright project, and then also, you know, just generally speaking, uh, um, uh, genomic alteration. So you 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 touched on a couple of them, of course, you know, the ethical boundaries, and then in certain societies we're going to have you know and and many societies in the west will have prohibitions against you know certain kinds of genomic uh, alteration um so those, probably we, we don't know for sure right right i and and you know of course you know there's going to be conferences and discussions about those things uh and and probably i i would hope you know pu- more public discussion as well um uh, additionally, you know, or from those ethical type discussions, there will need to be, you know, one of our favorite uh, topics is, you know, policy design and and legal frameworks. There are interesting legal frameworks around uh, genomics that that are just sort of starting to, to take hold. I mean, and you have to include all, all kinds of things like. Uh, uh, you know, preventing against discrimination, for instance, uh, you know, is is high on people's list. Um, additionally, I mean, and and for the uh, scientific and, and perhaps business community, there is the question of intellectual property, which you know can equally get as sticky because if you're uh, creating. Uh, human genome from scratch, like, how do you make sure that that work remains, you know, open source? How do you make sure that it's a benefit to humanity? And there's not like some, you know, small portion that could get peeled off and patented somehow, I don't really know the ins and outs of, of, of these kinds of uh, uh, legal questions for,
1: uh, for bio, but so far, patent law has fallen on the happy side. There have been some cases that have been nerve-wracking. Let's say that have fallen the right way for the most part, which is good.
0: Yes, I, I mean, and there's certainly lots of discussion in in, in uh, you know as you know the CRISPR uh, Cas9, for instance. You know, a lot of discussion around around patents uh, uh, on that subject. Uh, and then finally, uh, you know, a, a concern is uh, you know if we have these. Uh, sort of the intellectual property frameworks and the policy frameworks and the ethics sort of at least nominally worked out, Uh, then you have the question of monitoring, right? Like, so how do you even know, right? How do you know uh, these are the kinds of things you can't say, oh, hey, I see in your genome that you're, you know, you're uh, super gene altered smart and and now you're gonna have uh,
1: you know some additional advantage or or, or whatever. So well, right, and the belt can't be unrung. It's not like we're gonna take that person and strap them down and re-edit their genes to remove that from mm-hmm. them, right? It's like once that being has been created in the form that it's created, it's kind of going to go unless it has, you know, demon horns and wings, in which case, you know, it might be locked in a, in a box somewhere.
0: Yeah. Or, or I mean, even, you know, just to raise that that point that, you know, sort of the the uh, the hacker mentality, right? Like the uh, altering your body to suit your preferences. I mean, we do it right now. We just, you know, it's it's on a slightly different level. You certainly have people uh, who alter their bodies to fit their their uh, perspective, their lifestyle, their their choices. I mean, those are going to become more pronounced, perhaps.
1: Well, and they're certainly in accessible and egalitarian ways. It's you know, it, you and I and anyone can go and get a tattoo at a relatively affordable cost. Um, the cost for getting super intelligence is going to be different, and you know, at some point, if it's bad for society to have a lot of super intelligent people, it may be very limited and segregated just to the elite. Which is opening up a whole different can of worms. Yeah,
0: the the badness of many super intelligent people that that will be uh uh you know yeah that'll be some something to be seen for sure. So I I wanted to dig in just a little bit into this idea of of writing uh genetic code because I I find this whole uh part of the technology to be very interesting particularly because uh you and i both come out of a user experience design uh background and there really is you know uh just on a fundamental level not uh the greatest tools just yet for writing this kind of code so if you're thinking about it in terms of the um uh you know some some sort of analog i mean it's probably like I don't know the early '90s, perhaps, for your um, your code tools and your
1: design tools, right? So, so it's very, or, or maybe not even right. I'll go with that. I don't know enough about the history of code tools to have an opinion. I'm with you though, John. If you say it's the case, amen, brother. Well,
0: I, I'm, I'm thinking it's not even. We're not even talking about um, uh, code tools and design tools that that are you know they're they're software, but the, they're still really working at the most fundamental level, right? So you are there's no abstraction levels for this just yet. Uh, you're working at, at the level of uh, A, C, G, and T, right? That's that's yeah. that's what you're coding in. So you were there. There's a couple levels of abstraction abstraction away from uh, working in in you know in in machine language, let's say for uh, uh, computers, uh, in, or in, in binary. I mean, you're, uh, it hasn't gotten to the point yet. And, and so when digital designers say, Hey, you know, it's great to get into emerging technologies. How, how, what, you know, what's, what's the open door for me, uh, to do that. I, I would say that the tools that, uh, synthetic biologists have today are still sort of Early and rudimentary, Um, and there's an awful lot of user experience expertise that could make life a lot easier for for the guys who who are doing this this kind of work. And it's it's really an interesting opportunity because it's uh, all of the things that we've learned about coding on the computer side, in theory, can be also applied uh, to coding on, on the genetic side. Um, and that's really what gets me excited uh, about this field, not because I'm, you know, deeply ensconced in the biology, even though it intrigues me. Uh, you just
1: want to live forever, John.
0: Uh, no, I don't know about living forever, but I, I'm excited by the uh, uh, the opportunities that this technology brings.
1: Now, I know you're friends with the fellow who runs the right project. Maybe we could bring him on the show later in the year to to talk and, and share more of this with our listeners. Yeah,
0: I've, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do to, to make that happen. That, that would be fun. Um, I think, you know, may, maybe, friend is a strong word, but, uh, uh, a, a good acquaintance and, and we're on, we're on happy terms. Uh, and so, so hopefully I can, uh, twist his arm a little bit and see if I can get him on the show, um. We've had a lot of interesting conversations in the, in the past, so hopefully he'll be willing to have one of those on our program. We'll get crack and follow it. I will. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find the digital life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you'd like to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Go Invo, a sh- studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging technologies which you can check out at goinvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O dot com.
1: Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at dneymeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 244
0: of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.